0: There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher. Joining me, as always, is Centauri Minor.
1: Hello, folks.
0: Helping us move from awareness to action this week is Patricia Murphy. She is a poet, a writer principal lecturer at Arizona State University and the founding editor at Superstition Review. Welcome, Patricia.
2: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: Centauri, have you ever shared your writing with Patricia?
1: Oh, that's not where I thought that this was going. No, I have not, but... <laughs> But I will. Um, I was, um, I think Patricia knows the story. I was published twice when I was 21. I was a creative writing major uh, and have not been published since. So I hit my peak at a very young age. Uh, so maybe I'll send you over some of my recent writing and you can do some workshopping on it.
2: Sounds great.
0: But just, just from what you know of Centauri Patricia, how, how do you feel? What, what, what kind of a writer do you think he is? Is it possible to get a feel like that from somebody? This should be good.
2: <laughs> well, it, you know, sometimes uh, someone can do the opposite of what you expect in their writing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I would be very interested to to see what Centauri has to produce.
0: Well, there you go. It's uh, it's it is agreed upon. Perhaps for the what are the coming issues of the superstition review you can send in um, some of your writing Centauri and the students can, can review it and see if it makes the grade. I would love that. All right. Fair enough. So so Patricia, how, how about you? How, how, how long have you been like, did, did, did you just always know that writing was, was, was your thing?
2: I did. Yeah. And in fact, I went to a performing arts high school for creative writing. And then I went on to college and majored in, creative writing. And then I immediately went on to get my MFA in poetry. So it's been a lifelong pursuit for me.
0: And I apologize. What is, what is an MFA?
2: Oh, it's a master of fine arts. So Ah. the best way to describe it is if you go to study, um, literature where you're reading other people's writing, you get a PhD and that's a terminal degree. If you're a, a writer it's more like being an artist. So you are doing the thing, you produce the thing. So a master of fine arts requires a creative project instead of a an analytical dissertation.
0: Got it. So does that does that technically or legally allow you to refer to yourself as a poet? <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> depends on who you, who you ask, I guess, but what it does do it's, I mean, it's a professional degree, uh, that allows you to get tenure track jobs in teaching creative writing.
1: Got it. Got it. Nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, fair mm-hmm. enough. Patricia. And how long with your, um, uh, MFA have you been at ASU? It's so interesting to talk to a fellow writer and also think about like writing as a profession, which would be like the best job. Uh, but maybe not. So talk to us a little bit about your career to this point and then what it looks like at um, at teaching at a huge research, one university.
2: Right. Yeah. So I started my MFA at ASU when I was 22. um, And I started teaching right away. So I looked about 14 and (laughs) (laughs) I walked into the classroom. I had all freshmen, right. I was teaching first year composition, And, oh, my gosh, they really um, didn't know what to do with me. (laughs) But it's now been um, I'm finishing my 54th semester teaching at ASU. I was very, very lucky to get hired on full-time teaching after I finished my MFA. Um, As you might imagine, it's really hard to get a job teaching (laughs) at a university, but especially teaching creative writing. So I started teaching composition and I taught composition for about 13 years. And then I was hired to create a new writing program on the polytechnic campus. And um, after we developed a curriculum, I proposed the idea of a literary magazine that used undergrads to do every single role. So all of the editorial work, the advertising, blogging, web design, um, I actually had a lot of experience in web design, so I was strategically placed to start this magazine. Um, a lot of poets don't like reading HTML, and I do. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that was that was a benefit. And so we're just about to launch issue twenty five of the magazine. So it's been 25 semesters. I've published about 1300 international art authors and artists, and I've mentored about 350, uh, undergraduate students through all the steps of running a literary magazine.
0: Very cool. So what, how would you describe the state of the American writer? Ooh, that's a
1: great question.
2: Yeah, it's, I would say that publishing has changed in a lot of ways that most of capitalistic society has changed in the sense that there are five big houses, right? So Random House and um, uh, Harper's. Uh, So there are five very big commercial publishers that it is almost impossible to... Um, to get a contract with right but the independent publishers are really thriving not only independent publishers but also university presses and so I the work that's being done in this field has been unbelievable (laughs) and one way I can I can um describe this to you is there is an organization called the associated writers and writing programs that I went to the, my first annual conference that I went to was in 1994 and it happened to be here in Tempe, Arizona. And it was about, I'm going to say 200 people. Well it has grown now to be the largest writers conference in the United States. And, uh, they usually get about 12 to 15,000 people. Wow. And in the book fair alone, you know, they have a book fair with all of the arts organizations, literary magazines. We always take our students and do a table. Um, they usually have about 900 exhibitors. So it's been exponential growth. And while, you know, just like, just like the rest of America, you have large corporations that are doing, they're doing great work and they're doing good things. You also have these independent publishers who are really on the cutting edge. I just read a book by um, Roy Guzman, who is a Honduran poet, and he published a book with Grey Wolf Press, which is one of my favorite presses. And it's one of the most stunning books I've read in a really long time. In fact, it just come it it comes out May. The official date is May third, and to be able to uh, really um, read people who are writing about their experiences right now in such poetic, beautiful ways, it's it's a real
1: privilege, Patricia. I would love your thoughts, and uh, this may be controversial, so if you don't want to answer, don't answer, uh, but thoughts on the American dirt controversy, while I have you.
2: Oh, right. <laughs> that is also a shift that has occurred because we talk about the the white male canon, right, which is the um, the literature that all of the universities told us we needed to read, and For a long time, that's also who was getting published. Uh, It was, I think about, I won't name names, but there are certain um, novelists who have published 25 books, right? (laughs) Who happen to be um, white male, uh, heteronormative, cisgendered people. Um, And what we're seeing now is that we, we have opened opportunities to so many Different groups i my take on that particular topic is I do wish that that attention had been paid to someone who uh, has experienced the hardship of coming from a place of of being othered, and I think it's you're right. It's very controversial. I know people who read the book just because of the controversy. Um, I I haven't read the book, but as an editor myself, I care very much about representing true voices. And I do think that people can write from a different perspective. I, I've read a lot of novels, um, and a lot of poetry where somebody takes on a persona or, um, Imagines a, another identity.
1: Right, um, that, that, I,
2: it seemed like a missed opportunity for me.
1: All right, and not to go on the tangent, um, and I'll ask you a quick question after. But I do think one of the things that was fascinating through that was as a writer. Exactly what you said, like you're taught to at least look at different perspectives and, you know, writing a novel, if you're a man and taking on the protagonist as a female, just Mm -hmm. because you're not a female should not preclude you from writing that work. In fact, many great works are in that in that vein. So just wanted to get your thoughts on that as a as a writer Um, to kind of further look at a macro point of uh, part of George's question. What are your thoughts on the state of just um, the quality of writing? Um, especially as you're with undergraduate and grad students. I know that um, Fast Company just released this kind of looking into the future, what are going to be the most crucial, r- crucial skills for the next generation in writing. And, and every one of these lists is on top of them, but you don't really see an emphasis on writing in a lot of curriculum. So talk to me about that.
2: You know, my experience with um, – I think I hear you asking me to talk about what I see in my students –
1: Yes, and your students are yeah. just from what you're seeing in trends in industry.
2: In industry, we're we're writing differently. We really are. Our our brains have changed. <laughs> we we want shorter snippets. We want, uh, but even in long form writing, we want more agency. We m- want more identity. We're expecting an I. Um, we're expecting personal experience, we're expecting empathy. And uh, in, in industry, when I'm reading other people's work, I see a very strong trend towards honesty and transparency. And I think that's a good thing. In my own students, I find that there's a really wide range. It's it's an interesting generation. Um, I find that some students are lacking confidence across the board, not just in their writing. And I do think that strong writing has to start from confidence. So, uh, I think that this particular generation, I think about, you know, my students who are graduating. With a virtual ceremony, you know, my students who are trying to get jobs in an economy where we've lost so many. Um, One of the keys to strong writing is confidence. And I just think it's hard to be confident right now. But I do think skills are there. I have seen the basics across the board are still there. I mean, the education is there. The students can write, um, but sometimes the the confidence isn't there.
1: Oh,
0: that's interesting.
1: Great perspective. Thanks for that.
0: Something I was certainly curious about is, um, and, and that was, the, I'm glad that Centauri asked that question because I was just curious if if people are getting better at writing or or worse and. For me, I still need to take out a piece of paper and, and actually write on the piece of paper. And that's how I organize my thoughts. But I imagine a lot of kids, a lot, a lot of younger people today are just doing it on, on, on a device. Yeah. So I wanted to get your take on what you thought the, for lack of a better term, the best way to write is. And if it's the actual physical medium, mm. if, if, if you encourage people to block out time to do it, lengths of time. So the whole act of it, I'm curious about.
2: Well, funny you should ask because I talk to my students about um, the writing process by asking them to look at their, hold up your right hand and look at your palm. (laughs) And there are five steps of the writing process, starting with your pinky and they're alphabetical. So brainstorming is the first step. And what you're telling me is you do that with a pencil and paper. I don't care where you do it. You Mm -hmm. can do it voice memos. You could tell Siri what you think. You can tell Alexa what you think. (laughs) Yeah. You could spitball with a friend. But brainstorming is where the idea starts. The next finger is composing. And that's when you have to set a timer. You have to get into flow. You have to get sentences on a page. It's really, it's almost like, a marathon runner has to get in a certain amount of miles. You have to do this composing or you're not going to have anything to work with. Right. Next, and it's funny that this is the tallest finger is, and that has to do with organizing ideas for an audience. And so this is a skip. This is a step that often gets skipped. <laughs> How do I make sure the reader understands my points? And, and so often, we write something and think, oh, yeah, who could misunderstand it? But <laughs> <laughs> packaging something for an audience is one of the most important steps. And then we curve back down um, with a fourth finger, and that's going to be editing. And that's an exterior process. You have to get out of your head. Um, you can't um, have any ego. You have to just make sure every sentence is pretty and make sure every word is perfect. And then you get to your thumb and that's proofreading and you pay somebody for that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Love that. Well, I, yeah, perfect. Okay. So, so one of the most challenging is organizing ideas for an audience. Yeah. So that's, I love what I wrote. I love my idea but oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we need to make sure that 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 other people can get it
2: yes yeah yeah and there's a phrase called killing your darlings mm. because i tell you what as a poet um i work with a poetry group of folks i've known for 27 years and uh I'll write something that I feel very proud of <laughs> 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 and they don't mind telling me that it's not good. So yeah, the, the making sure that, uh, the idea is clear and, and the ideas are there. That's so important in the writing process. And when I, when I teach writing, cause I do, I do, I do the editing, but I also teach travel writing for ASU online and in that class, the students write a polished essay. It's a 2,500-word polished essay. They have to choose a market that they would send it to. We study a lot of travel writing. And what I find is that a student will put their head down, type for 20 minutes, and then turn it in. Hold well done. <laughs> it's brilliant. Can't wait to get my A.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so I tell them, each of each of these five steps should take an hour you need to do it you, you need to devote the time to germinating the idea and then getting it on the paper and then making sure it's organized and then making it pretty it takes so much work
0: right gosh thought writing was supposed to be fun
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice all right, so so people who, who are listening you we you mentioned at the top that it's not the easiest thing in the world to, to actually make a living writing right. but at the same time there's a very robust independent publisher uh, ecosystem that that's out there mm-hmm. but then you also have have professional bloggers certainly make money in ghostwriting sure. but from 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 your perspective or, or yeah I guess that's the question how how are people really making money today?
2: Yeah, I'm so glad you asked this. I had a former student who is a freelance writer. Uh, She worked for me six years ago uh, on the magazine. She was an ASU student, majored in fiction. And um, we're friends on Facebook, and she had posted, hey, I have some free time in the next two weeks. Does anybody want me to talk to their class or to anyone else about freelance writing? And I jumped on it and we met last Wednesday and I had gathered some questions from my students for her. She makes her living from writing hundred percent full time. She publishes article. She publishes travel writing and budget travel and outside magazine. Um, She publishes a lot on women's health for self, um, she has a wide portfolio. She does a lot of writing, but one of the things she talked about also is that in order to make a living as a writer, you have to take what comes your way. And she's done, she's done some gig work for larger corporations. And one of those happens to be Rover.com. So she's written about, about dogs.
0: Nice.
1: Awesome.
2: (laughs) Yeah. In the, in a very, um, formalized setting. There are so many institutions and corporations that need content. And so a lot of freelance writers are not only producing what I call their bliss work, right? She hiked the Pacific Coast Trail. She's very interested in hiking and outdoors, but but sometimes she has to write an article that, you know, (laughs) doesn't necessarily resonate. Um, I had another student who took a job right out of, right out of, um, undergrad with a, um, gun magazine, a guns and ammo and wasn't in her wheelhouse. house, <laughs> <laughs> but she did that job for a year and a half and then became the managing editor at green living AZ, which is totally oh, well. her interest. So sometimes and you-
0: potentially the opposite of guns and ammo,
2: <laughs> <laughs> <potentially the> opposite <laughs>
0: So sometimes, yes, you need to do things for actually putting money in your pocket. Yes. Um, and maybe pay dues. And I'm sure that she learned a ton from the, the year and a half of experience. So
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: But it, it's fascinating. You know, you have so many different mediums for creativity these days. Um, and, and anybody can be a creator. All right. You can start yeah. your own blog. You could do vlogging on YouTube and you can start podcasts. So, Um, I imagine that you have hope for the future when, 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 when it comes to, to writing and, and, and creative endeavors.
2: Absolutely. I do. Yeah. I, I see individuals thriving. I see creativity that I would not have imagined when I was starting my master's degree in 1990, 1993. Yeah. The, it, and so in in 27 years, <laughs> since I started, since I graduated um, college with a degree in creative writing, the landscape has changed completely.
1: Yeah. I
0: love it. Well, Centauri, what else?
1: Nothing. I think, Patricia, thanks for being on. And um, I'm always encouraged by exactly what you just said as someone who majored in English. And it's been something I've been able to parlay into so many different careers and uh, parts of my career that are where it stands out and where it's a strength so I think for anyone who's you know a prospective English major or their kids are thinking about majoring in English or or literature or whatever that might be there is there's a light at the end of the tunnel um and you can be successful in that so thanks for sharing your experience and your story and good luck with uh superstition review and I will submit something
2: oh wonderful we'll look for your submission as it comes across the chance the transom
1: Nice.
0: So how, how, how would that work, Patricia, if, if are there opportunities to actually submit, not all, all, all kidding aside and how can people, how can people get involved or, or interact with you and your work?
2: Yeah. So superstition review, we publish two issues a year, uh, one in December and one in May. So the students work on the magazine for four months, um, based on semesters. So we accept submissions in August and January, and we accept submissions in art, fiction, nonfiction, and poetry. We have about a one to 2% acceptance rate. So, uh, for example, we'll get 500 short stories in a submission period and we'll publish five. So, um, we, the the What I always suggest to someone who would like to get published in any venue is to study previous issues to see not only uh, trends, but also what to stay away from. Because if we've published a train story in issue 25, we don't want another train story in issue 26. So a lot of the editorial decisions are based on what I call the three C's. We're looking for content, craft and composition. So we want something to be beautiful, artistic. We want to sh- we want to see raw talent, but it, the composition has to be perfect and the content needs to fit with our aesthetic and our history of publishing.
0: Certainly makes sense. And if somebody were so, so somebody's interested where where can they actually find the magazine?
2: It's at superstitionreview.asu.edu.
0: Perfect. Anything else you'd like to share?
2: Um, I can't think of anything. It's just a joy to speak with you today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are very, very grateful. It was it was a joy to speak with you as well. So do check out. Um, give us the website one more time, please.
2: superstitionreview.asu
0: perfect well thank you again patricia
2: thank you
0: and thanks as always for listening and remember to keep questioning because the struggle is real on behalf of centauri and i thanks as always for listening please subscribe to the show leave us a review and feel free to share the show on social media thanks a lot